Hi, I'm Terry Zabolski, pastor of Grace Community Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I'd like to thank you for listening to this week's message. I hope and trust that God's Word is a blessing to you as you live for Him each and every day. Take your Bible and uh, let's look at uh, Psalm 56. I thought uh, we might uh, uh, take a look at a psalm that, uh, that I, I have found much comfort in in recent days as I approach uh, uh, a second uh, time of surgery. And, uh, and so I thought this would be a testimonial uh, this message, as well as where I am. You say, well, where's Pastor in this? I wouldn't let anyone cut me open again. How's he handling it? Well, this, this message will give an idea right where I am, and I want to share this with you because oftentimes uh, we're gripped by fear, aren't we? So I've entitled it, The Prescription for Fear. The Prescription for Fear. I want to share with you uh, a gift that uh, a pastor of our family who's now in heaven, Pastor Andrews, shared with us. I happened to be in town, Faithy and I, uh, uh, and heard this in a message, and it's been a sweet gift that God has given to us, and it has helped us all these years. And it kind of encapsulates the whole message. If you get this, and if you raise your hand and you got it, you can leave early, but you're going to miss cake and the, the, the parental dedication, so you probably don't want to do that. And Pastor Andrews wove this through a message, and I'll never forget it, and it goes like this uh, in regards to fear. Uh, fear knocked on the door. Faith answered the door. That's not my wife. And there was no one there. Fear knocked on the door. It does that, have you noticed? Faith answered the door. And there was no one there. Let's say it together. Fear knocked on the door. Faith answered the door. And there was no one there. One more time. Fear knocked on the door. Faith answered the door. And there was no one there. We'll come back to that. The prescription for fear. Psalm 56. I'm asking by beginning... Uh, have you ever been afraid? I mean, really terrified, really afraid. Have you? Most of us have. I'm, I'm of the mind that, uh, that I know that most little boys are terrified of the dark. I was as a little boy. Keep the light on, Daddy. You know, keep the door open. You know, what's that in the closet? You know, <laughs> and my dad would check it out. There's nothing in here. The boogeyman's not in. No, there's no such thing as the boogeyman. You know, you go up through those years, right? Have you ever been terrified, ever afraid? Ever been in an airplane where it's been better than Hershey Park? You've been bouncing around? Didn't have to pay admission to the park, but you got your money's worth bouncing around. Have you ever been afraid, terrified? Most of us have from, what's that noise? What's this? What is that? Most, uh, most people realize that uh, when fear stalks them and grabs them, that uh, it can be very paralyzing. You know, and you dream that way, don't you? Sometimes you're terrified, and you're like moving slow-mo. You know, someone's chasing you, and you just, and then you wake up, right? Oh, wow. 
There are many things in our world that can cause us fear. You know that? Many things. You know you're puny, small, and frail. You're, you and I are not very much. Not very much. Made in God's wonderful image, priceless. But you aren't much, and neither am I. And there are many things that are far greater than us, and there are circumstances that happen and currents that blow that you can't stop. And it can easily overwhelm you and easily overwhelm me. Enemies, you know, and you have them, even if you're a nice guy. Sickness and death, oh my. The great, uh, the great fear, people say, is death. Oh, man, death. I'm afraid of job loss in a recession. Failure, oh, fear of failure. Well, they're some of the most common, aren't they? Did you know that, there's a, that there is a... That the Bible tells us that David, I love this so much, the mighty warrior was one day gripped by fear. I'm sure it was probably more than that, more than one day. But the Bible, and it only mentions at one place, where the mighty David, the king of Israel, the, the giant slayer, can I say it? Remember that? He killed Goliath, that nine, nine feet six NBA future prospect, with a stone as a boy. And don't you love that account? Some of you know it better than others. He ran down into the valley at the giant, not away, toward the giant with his slingshot. Whoop, let it go. One stone. And he got the point. And he fell down. He fell down. And David chopped his head off. You don't see, they omit that in the children's books about that. They forget to, forget to do that. Uh, Al had us at, uh, we went to Lancaster, and, uh, and they didn't show. They showed the sword, but they didn't show him whacking his head off, probably for reason uh, on that. But he whacked his head off. Did you know that this giant slayer uh, came to a point in time where he was overwhelmed by fear? And uh, that's encouraging, isn't it? Encouraging, as most of us have, and some of us are more timid and more fearful than others. And uh, to know that uh, the mighty man of God, the man who sought God's own heart, uh, was one day gripped by fear. Uh, we're in Psalm 56, but keep your finger there. Just I want to show you in, in, in 1 Samuel 21, uh, where David uh, actually, this is the context of our psalm this morning, and you can write that on Psalm 56 because it comes right from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 21. Uh, David is on the lamb. He's a young man. He's in his 20s. Uh, he's by himself at this point. That's a key. David had his 400, then he had his 600. These guys were incredible. Did you see the movie 300? There's 300 Spartans. That's nothing compared to David's 600. You read the exploits in the account and you'll be amazed. David, at this time, it's just before that, he's by himself. He's on the lamb. He's fleeing this, this maniac of a king, Saul. Uh, he comes uh, in, in the beginning of, of the chapter uh, where he's at Nav, N-O-B, Nav, and uh, he uh, eats, eats something there. He uh, deceives the priest, and he gets, uh, he gets a sword. He gets uh, Goliath's enormous sword, uh, that uh, he had taken after he slew him. It was there kept uh, by the priest Ahimelech. And uh, he leaves there, and he, he's still on the lamb, and he is fleeing now uh, in verse 10. And this is the context of 21.10. That day David fled from Saul 
And he went to Achish, king of Gath. Gath is a city. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? And they, they, they start singing the tune. Saul has killed his thousand, but David is ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was very much afraid. Underline it. There it is. Of Achish, king of Gath. And so David, uh, he wins an Academy Award. He's all by himself. He's scared, terrified, and he fakes being insane. It's, it's quite an account. Verse 13, so he pretends to be insane in their presence, and while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the door of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Thank you for sharing that part of it. Achish said to his servants, look, look at the man. He's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen? In other words, they were all over Gath. That you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me. Must this man come into my house? In verse 22, verse 1, And David left Gath and escaped to the cave in Adullam. And when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there, and all those, and so on. We won't pick up any further than that because of time. There's the setting. Well, David is terrified. Only time that it's mentioned in the Word of God. Scared out of his mind, all alone. And you know what? Sometimes when we're alone, the tendency to be afraid is greater, isn't it? It is. How come when I was a boy, I was never afraid if my father was there? He'll take care of business. I'll just stay close, right? Or in a crowd. But when you're all by yourself, scary. It can be very scary, and fear can can grip you and grip me. Well, they're in this short little psalm, Psalm 56, and there are only 13 verses, uh, we discover there are two voices, two voices, if you will, calling us when we're feeling overwhelmed by our circumstances and temp- being tempted to fear. For we are small and puny, and therefore we're easily troubled, aren't we, on all sides? One man writes, fear herds us in the prison, and it slams the door. Not bad. Another writes, fear corrodes our confidence in God's goodness. We know of God's goodness, that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. But fear, fear what? It corrodes our confidence in the goodness of God to us. And so it's, it's, a, it's a dastardly thing. And finally, fear sucks the life out of our soul, doesn't it? Just sucks it right out of us. And there's not much left. Well, two voices. It's real simple. Uh, the first voice is the voice of fear. In Roman numeral 2, the second voice is the voice of faith. The voice of fear. David tells us of his fear uh, in the face of his enemy. Let's look at Psalm 56 now that we've read the setting. David, uh, there in Gath, uh, being uh, uh, under the pressure in this foreign city, He prays, be merciful to me, O God, for men hotly pursue me. All day long they press their attack. My slanders pursue me all the day long. Many are attacking me in their pride. And then he says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? 
All day long they twist my words. They are always plotting harm to me. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, eager to take my life. On no account let them escape. In your anger, O God, bring down the nations. And verse 8 is dearly loved by Christians through the centuries, particularly the King James Version. Record my lament. Uh, List my tears. And uh, King James has it in a bottle. For you have kept all my tears in your bottle. Actually, the Hebrew word is wineskin. They didn't have a bottle typically like you and I do, but our tears are kept by God in his bottle, if you will. And they are recorded. Are they not recorded? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. And by this I will know that God is for me. And notice again, in God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Well, let's look at this voice of fear. Uh, A, the title of the psalm tells us that the setting was, uh, was when, he vi- when David visited the Philistine city of Gath. David was not safe in his own country. What a sad thing when, when God's people don't find safety among God's people. Isn't that a sad thing? Maybe perhaps uh, uh, you've experienced that in your own life where, where you were attacked by even a, uh, another Christian or some Christians that misunderstood you and, and were hard on you and, and you found uh, that you needed uh, help and protection and solace and comfort and provision and you found it in those that didn't know Christ. Uh, that's David's uh, situation. It shows how desperate he is that he had to leave the, uh, the land of Israel and go down into the coastal plain to Gath, this Philistine city, the enemy, and knock on the door and find shelter from these pagans. You see, David, he was naive to think that his exploits against the Philistines would be forgotten in Gath. Let me tell you why. Uh, And two, Gath was Goliath's hometown. Did you know that? I mean, he was the local hero, boy made good. Everybody loves their hometown heroes, don't they? A few weeks ago, it was great to see Kyle Brady, and and he and Christy came up for the sad occasion. His father had died, and and, uh, for many uh, in our area, oh, Kyle, he's like a local... Uh, a hometown boy hero, right? They all want their picture taken with him and all that. We know what that is. Goliath was the hometown favorite uh, for the Philistines. He was the champion. They were proud. He hailed from Gath. That's, he's one of us. We're with him. You know, that kind of thing. David had killed him not too many years earlier there in the Valley of Elah with a stone. Now it shows you how desperate David was to flee King Saul to go into Goliath's hometown where his cousins were and aunts and uncles and family. I'm sure there were some that were left. And remember the top ten ten tune of that day, WKBW Radio, right? You know, Saul has killed his thousands, but David is ten thousands. Guess what? They were Philistines. David had killed the Philistines. He was not loved. There was no warm and fuzzies for him there. And yet he finds himself finding shelter in Gath, and uh, they recognized him. Maybe he put a disguise in. They recognized him. They heard his song, and he comes walking in hand in hand holding Goliath's sword. 
we know that sword. You know, it would be like us driving in this. We know that car. We know you. You're not welcome in this town. Get out of Dodge kind of a thing, right? He was their hero. In 1 Samuel 3, 21 uh, is the only recorded statement in the Bible that tells that David was very much afraid for his enemies sought to kill him since he was all alone. Well, we, we're allowed in the passage in the Psalm 56 to view David's fear. In B, we find that David tells us of, his, uh, of this voice of fear, and he gives two emphasis here. And it's real simple. Number one, he tells of the fury of the attack. I mean, they were, they were relentless in their opposition to him, in their hatred, and their desire to kill this young man who loved God who was all alone. They're relentless. How do we know that, this fury of the attack? With the, the, uh, he uses word repetition in verses 1 and 2 to show how furiously they were approaching him. The word pursue and attack and all day long are repeated in, in verse 2 to show the intensity of the fury. And he means to say by this that he is, he is, he is, he is overwhelmed because of their pursuit. They were dogging him. Uh, they were crowding in on him, uh, relentless, dogging him. I told Jerry I was going to use an illustration from the world of hunting. I, I remember as a, as a young boy going out, uh, it might have been the second year with my father in New York State and Western New York, he used the deer slugs. And we had a party of his buddies, and, and they were out there. And, and I didn't have, a, at that point, I didn't have a shotgun in my hand. But I remember my father saying on an open field, uh, actually, a dog went r- running through the field, and he said, you know, that uh, during deer season, if there's a dog that is dogging a deer, I mean chasing him, a deer's faster and quicker, but a deer can't run forever and ever and ever and ever, and a dog will run a deer down. And did you know, he said, son, that we can actually kill that dog? I go, kill, shoot the dog? He said, yep, you better make sure and you better be able to justify it because there's going to be someone really upset if their dog gets shot. But you can, uh, you can do that. That's, that is, and, and I checked with Jerry this morning. That's still the law. The law, not the law. It's an ordinance. Or it's, still, it's still in effect today. And we never did. Dogging. Well, he felt, uh, David felt, like he was being dogged uh, by the Philistines, and he was exhausted by it. Well, the second uh, emphasis he makes is he tells of the nature of their, their attack in verses 5 to 9, as we read, that they're twisting his words in verse 5, and they're conspiring, they're slandering him, uh, so that they might justify killing him. They were killing him uh, without uh, knives. Jesus taught on that, did he not, in the Sermon on the Mount? When he talked about our tongues and the usage of our tongue, we can, we can kill people and slander them with the things that we so casually say that we shouldn't say about other people. And they were, they were saying it to build a crowd so that they could just go kill David and feel really good about themselves, that he wasn't worth living anyways. And that's the heat he's feeling. And so David ends the section with a prayer asking God to deal with his enemies in verse 8. And he ends with a request that God would remember his sorrows and that he would catch his tears in a bottle and that he would write them all down in his book. Wow. The idea is, is that God would never forget. 
God does not forget our sorrows. He does not forget our troubles. In fact, it's even greater than that. He orders them. I can't explain it, but the Word teaches it. He is sovereign. He is the God of history. The steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. He's weaving the tapestry of your life and mine together. And at times of fear and trouble, he has even brought that. There's nothing that comes into your life or mine that have not already passed through his loving fingers and his hands. And so we can rest on that. And that uh, God is fully aware of it. And that he is not inactive or inattentive. I know it feels that way, doesn't it? At times of, of scariness or fear or all the other emotions. That, and we pray and we don't see lightning. We go, God, where are you? And, and it feel like in the waiting room that he is indifferent. And the reality is he couldn't be any more active. And in him we live, move, and have our being. And he'll accomplish his purpose for his glory through your life and through mine. And so when the voice of fear uh, tempts us, we need to do like David and pray. That's what he's doing in verses 1 and pray and keep casting your every care upon the Lord for he cares for you. That's what he does. God will never forget. It's written in his book. He could not be indifferent. He is our great shepherd. Well, the voice of faith. In verses 4, 10, and 11 is the second voice that calls us, and we see David evidencing that here, the voice of faith. David expresses his confidence in the Lord. Again, look at verse 4 and uh, verse 3 first. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. That's not a bad little verse to remember. You're in the hospital and getting surgery or at the doctor's office or getting radiation or, or you get a phone call or what have you, and the thing, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. Verse 4, in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. And the, the uh, expected answer to his question, what can mortal man do to me? The expected answer is nothing. Nothing, because God is great. Well, David, A, his confidence is in God. He exercises trust in him in the face of fear, and so should we. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he is trustworthy. You can trust him. And we need to exercise that. Oh, there's that word. Oh, actually, there he is. He's bringing it up again. I hate exercising. I start and I stop, and I give up on that. I'm like, exercise our trust in him. Be active with it. And he does, David does not trust in man. He doesn't trust in circumstances or his own cunning, his craftiness or wisdom. He trusts in God. Isn't that great? Since his trust is in God, man cannot harm him. In God I trust. I will not be afraid. Wow. There he is in Gath. Can you see him there? I can. Wow. B, but more, David finds confidence in his word. Not only through his prayer, he trusts in God, but uh, specifically, he has come to know God through his word. And three times he, he tells us, and once in verse 4 and twice in verse 10, it is God's word. It is the word of God, God's wonderful word. You see, one man writes, apart from the word of God, we don't even know what God is like. 
And we certainly do not know what he has promised to do for us unless we know the word. That's why the more the word of God you get into you, like Sister Elizabeth mentioned with discipleship, the more that you will trust the Lord. You will come to know him inside and out and backwards and forward. That's why we memorize the word here monthly. That's why we're in a Bible reading program. Start up again if you stop. Start up. There's nothing greater than you can get the word, than the word of God in you. Not that pizza you want to slide down there. Get the word in you. That pizza won't help you a, a tad in the face of fear, but God's word will. And you'll march right through it. Through the valley of the shadow of death and all the other things that may tempt you. When the voice of fear calls your name. Fear knocked on the door. Faith answered the door. And there was no one there. That's right. That's what David did. And God, I will trust. It's the Word of God. God's Word is, is one of the greatest gifts that we have ever received. God's wonderful Word. Is there a greater thing? I mean, we have received the Savior if you're saved. We have heaven someday. There's a prepared place. Got your name on it. You think you own your home or some of you rent? You don't. You're just passing through. It's like the White House every four years. Someone else lives there eight years, right? That's what you're doing. There's a place with your name on it. But the Word of God in the, in the language of a people is one of the greatest gifts that God could ever give you. You say, well, you know, I got engaged on my birthday and I got the diamond ring. That was a great gift. That's not greater than the Word. That's a wonderful thing and we're happy for you, I guess, right? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Oh my, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I'd like to open your heart. I pray it into your heart every week. Lord, open the Word. Open the hearts of everyone here, and may the Word find residence there and change every one of us as a result. And may we be different and be disciples and disciplize and be about your work. It is the Word of God that we have been given everything we need for life and godliness. Don't let it sit on the table or in the den. Some of you have big family Bibles. Crack them open and read them. In fact, get another one that has notes in it. It'll help you. Wow, do that. Well, see, David is now so certain of God's help and deliverance there that he tells the Lord, I will offer a offering of thanksgiving in verses 12 and 13. He's not presumptuous. He's not bribing. He's not in the foxhole saying, Lord, if you deliver me, I'll give you my firstborn and all that. It's not none of that going on here. He's saying simply this, that he is so filled with confidence of expectation that God has heard him and will deliver him that he will offer that offering of thanksgiving that after God delivers him. That's, that's what he's saying there in verses 12 and 13. Well, remember, faith and fear do not walk together. Right? Faith and fear do not walk together. You are people of faith if you're saved. Now, now grow up and live according to your standing in Christ. Faith and fear do not walk together. I like to go for a walk with my faith. I do. I love to hold her hand, and we go for a walk, and Terry and Faith walk together. Well, there's another kind of faith that never walk together. Faith and fear do not walk together. Whether you're going to Iraq, or you're staying home, or wherever you're going, 
Fear knocked on the door. Faith answered the door. And there was no one there. Never forget that. No one there. Well, what's the prescription then for fear? In a word, pray. Pray. That's what David does in verses, that's what this is. is this song, this Psalm 56 is a prayer. Pray. Just keep, yeah, Lord, I'm afraid. Just keep calling out to him. He'll strengthen you. He will. He will strengthen you to do what he has ordered and, and prescribed for you to do. He will. He will. Perfect love casts out fear. Faith and fear don't walk together. He'll strengthen you. Wow. Well, the prescription. Pray and what? Trust the Lord. Trust. He's trustworthy. And we know that through his wonderful word, don't we? Oh, his word. I love his word. Well, look, it sounds like Moses, doesn't it? Exodus 14, 13. I put it on your sheet. What a situation there. You got a million and a half people that just left Egypt, and they're standing in front of the Red Sea, and there's no, no bridge. How about that? No bridge. How about that? They didn't carry them over like they were dead either. I appreciate that, that imagery. Million and a half, and they're complaining, and they're terrified. Why? You got the Egyptian army in hot pursuit. I mean, that's a pincer play. That's a, that's a, that's a tough spot to be in, right? And, 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 God, and what does God say through Moses? Here it is. That's the setting, Exodus 14. Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, the salvation here doesn't mean saving grace through the blood of Christ. It means God's going to deliver. Stand. Don't you love it? Fear not. Stand firm and watch and see the deliverance of the Lord. Sounds like Paul, doesn't it? Romans 8.31. If God be for us, who in the world could ever be against us? Who? 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 No one. No one could. In conclusion, Dr. Boyce writes, so if you really want to move out from your fear and despair, and bask in God's sunshine. Live looking upward always into the face of Jesus. And then you'll find yourself saying firmly, In God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Lessons for our life, number one. Number one. Fear will always knock on your door. Don't think that you've grown past that. Say, I've graduated now, I'm out of high school, I finished college, uh, fear will never come again. I got news for you, at the opportune time, Satan would love to have that happen, to have you feel overwhelmed by life, and he'll come a-knocking, but don't you invite fear in. Don't open the door. Don't invite him in to have a meal with him. Come, sit down, let's eat. Don't do it. Fear knocked on the door, faith answered, opened the door, and there was no one there. Don't you do it. Number two, know that God is greater than everything. He is greater than all. Greater than Goliath, greater than Gath, greater than anything that comes in your life. He is truly awesome. And he is for us. He is for you. There are many things that are going to be tempted to cause you to fear, 
but they all disappear when you keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus only. And do you know that Jesus never feared? You can read the whole gospel account. Our Lord Jesus never was gripped by fear. Even as he faced the cross, he went right towards it. He felt anguish and abandonment because he bore the great priestly offering as our high priest, your sin and mine, and was separated from the Father the first time ever, according to the word, but never fear. Never. And neither should you, and neither should I. Never. Wow. He promises to take care of you. Number three, exercise your trust in the Lord when you're tempted to fear. Exercise it. Get down on the treadmill. Lift the dumbbells of your hearts, of, of the faith that God has given. Strengthen that. Come on, don't be in second grade in this thing. I can't, I can't. Yes, you can. Stand up. Stand up. Trust the Lord. Remember Moses' words. Stand firm. <laughs> Feel like running the other way. Stand firm. I love it in sometimes in military campaigns. Be men. Come on, this is the day of battle. Be men. Stand firm. That's what we need to do. That's exactly it. Pray. Number four, as you come to better know Jesus through the Word of God, your confidence in Him will grow. I promise you that. If that has not been your case, I want to know it. You come up after and you tell me. I have studied the Word these years, and I trust the Lord less now than what I did back then, and I wasted my time. No one's ever told me that. You come and tell me that. As you come to know God through his wonderful word and the Lord Jesus Christ, our only redeemer, you will grow in your utter confidence that he does all things well. Even at the shadow of death. I mean, for a Christian, the best is yet to come. If, if you close your eyes in death according to the word and you're instantly in heaven, instantly, you don't soul sleep, you're not on vacation, you're not, you're not dust, your body's there, but you're somewhere else. You wouldn't it'd say, you want to go back? You want to go back? to As much as they would miss their loved ones, no way, Jose. I'm staying here. I'll wait for them. That's the way it is. I'm telling you. That, that's the way it is. Wow. And number five and last. However, if you do not yet know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you can today, you can say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have fallen short of your glory. I, I, I have born a sinner, and I'm sin every one of us that way. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. It's a gift of salvation. You need to receive it. The most important thing in life, if you've never done that, you're in deep trouble. I want you to hear this in case something happened. This is the greatest message of all. I want to go out saying it. There's a free gift. Costs more than you could ever pay. Oh, you must be saved. Oh, receive Jesus as your Savior today. If not, you need fear. That's the message. Don't say, well, Pastor, we don't have to. Not if you're not ready. Get ready. You're in deep trouble. Say, well, another day. Manana, right? You don't know. You may trip on a curb here, hit your head on a thing, and we've got to feed you for the next 20 years. And you won't even know your name. And then, then you'll die and you go to hell forever. We don't want that. 
I'm going to be looking around counting noses in heaven. I'm going to make sure you're there. Have you trusted Christ as Savior? You must. You must. Oh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. What, what, a, great, what a great thing. Well, wow. The prescription for fear. Aren't you glad there's an antidote for fear? Oh, man. We're, uh, we're, and then, when the, you know, as we get older, our bodies start to fail, right? Some sooner than others. Some they keep, just keep trying to patch up, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we just kind of waddle around and, you know. Read Ecclesiastes 12, you find out. I'll be, strong men stoop. Oh, I, used to, I used to coach wrestling. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's danger out there in those streets. I think I'll just stay in bed today, right? <laughs> We're on the other side, some of us, the other side of the roller coaster. It's sort of going down. But uh, the prescription for fear. Praise God for that. <laughs> 